0: The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. If you have a Bible, let's open it to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, beginning in verse 10. Again, last week we saw the story in the first 11 verses of the Palm Sunday triumphal entry. Verse 10 says, And when he, Jesus, had come to Jerusalem... All the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, Yeshua, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So again, Galilee is, uh, you know, up in the north of Israel, the little fishing villages, Bethsaida, Capernaum, etc. there. Jesus' headquarters was up there. Most of his miracles were done in the north of Israel but three times a year you had to come to Jerusalem to celebrate their seven feasts that are talked about in Leviticus 23. Uh, Well, if you lived all the way to the north, you know, coming back and forth seven times, that doesn't work. So some of the feasts are grouped together. Passover is one of them because you have the last three feasts. Passover, Yom Kippur, Feast of Tabernacles are in a two-week window. So you could travel and and spend two weeks there and fulfill the last three feasts. That's where we are now. Jesus has come for Passover. He's come with his disciples. And as we mentioned, it was Palm Sunday or Lamb Selection Day. It's the day when everybody had to pick their lamb for the upcoming Passover that would be coming on Friday. And that's the day that they would select the lambs. That's the day Jesus rode uh, from the top of the Mount of Olives down the Kidron Valley, and up into uh, the temple area on, Mount, uh, on the Temple Mount. So the, the crowds would swell to four to five times their normal size on that day. Everybody is talking about Jesus. And um, when Jesus now comes, he comes directly to the temple. The the whole way that he went from Palm Sunday and the Mount of Olives was to go through the Eastern Gate and to the Temple Mount. And as I note here, the most important purpose of the temple of God is prayer. Everybody say the word prayer. prayer. From the very first dramatic demonstrations of Jesus' miraculous working power, the crowd got excited and wanted to take him by force and make him king. And you have to understand that, I mean, when Jesus started doing miracles, nobody had ever done any miracles like he did. Not only the different kinds of miracles, but the power of the miracles, uh, the demonstration of the miracles. It was literally, wherever Jesus went was like heaven on earth. If you're blind, boom, your eyes are going to pop open, you're going to be able to see. If you're deaf... Deafness is going to flee from you, you're going to be able to miraculously hear. if you're lame, you're going to be able to walk. if you're infested with demons, the demons start manifesting, screaming, crying out, "We know who you are, you're the most high son of God. If you come to torment us before the time, and it would cast them out. And even several times, the dead were raised. whoo man, that's power. And in their minds the hope of the coming Messiah as a king, like David. So the people are very excited because right now, Israel is under the heel of the Roman Empire. Even in the Temple Mount, the Romans have a garrison called the Antonio Fortress, and they had armed Roman soldiers watching over them to make sure that they didn't do anything rebellious, or they just controlled them with an iron fist. So the Jewish people could not wait for the Messiah, King, to come and to lift the Roman boot off their back or off their neck. And now they see Jesus for three years, the supernatural power this guy has. Can you imagine when he turns that power on the Roman army and overthrows them and brings the kingdom? But what's interesting is if Jesus had been the military Messiah that people wanted at that time, he would have brought an army to attack the Roman garrison. But instead, Jesus comes to the temple and he comes to the heart of Israel alone, except for a few disciples. He comes weaponless, let alone as he doesn't have an army. He has no weapons. So I want to make this point. The main issue for Jesus when he came was not Rome's army. When Jesus came to the temple, the first thing on his mind was not the the politics on the ground. What was first and foremost on the mind and the heart of Jesus the Messiah was God's temple. And he came looking for something at the temple, and when he came looking at the temple, he did not see it. What was he looking for? He was looking for prayer. And instead he found merchandise and trade. So beginning in verse 12, look what we, here's what we see. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all of those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Wow, I love this. I mean, can you imagine Jesus? Maybe you've seen it in the films a little bit. I don't think any film has ever really done justice to what Jesus did when he came to the temple. And and what they had in the Temple Mount area was, so you had to use, because Israel was under Rome, you had to use Roman coins. And Roman coins had the face of Caesar on it. Remember when they came and asked Jesus, hey, should we pay taxes or not, trying to trap him? And he said, well, give me a coin. So they gave him a coin. He goes, whose face is on it? They said, well, Caesar. And he goes, well, if Caesar put his face on it, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but give to God the things that are God's. I love that because he said, well, whose coin is it? Well, he put his own face on it. Must be his. Give it back to him. But where you see God put his face on us, we're made in his image. Therefore, give yourselves to God. That's what Jesus is really saying. Yes, if you want to clap, you can go ahead. I mean, go for it. Yeah, hallelujah. We're made in the image of God. We should be giving him glory. But on this day, I mean, the disciples, this this was radical. And by the way, this is the second time Jesus has done this. Apparently, the very first year that Jesus came to the temple, he came and he threw the money changers' tables over because they had this exchange going. Um, the, The priests had set up kind of a system where they said, look, if you want to come here and worship God, you cannot use the Roman coins. That's pagan. They're idols. So we have Jewish money. You have to exchange your Roman money, your pagan money for the Jewish money. And then guess what? They added a little fee for themselves, maybe not so little. And they made money. Can you imagine? Several million Jewish people and everybody has to use the, the Hebrew money, and they have the Roman money, and so they have to exchange it, and they make money. And then on the sacrifices, they would say, oh, you know, your animal, they would find a blemish or whatever. But they said, but we have our own uh, animals that were raised by our priests, and they're accepted right away. And then they would charge them more money. So the whole thing was about, you know, it was about exchanging money. They were making a lot of money, and nobody was really praying. So Jesus gets there, and he's he stirred up. And now this is the second time he's done it. And he comes up to a, a table that's got money and exchange and a long line, and he flips that thing on its head. Coins go flying. There's animals there. Doves go whoop, 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 you know, and they're flying away. It's crazy. And then he not only does it to one table, and the disciples are like, uh-oh, you know, what do you do? When your leader kinda is going crazy and he's kind of angry and but nobody messed with him. By the way, nobody stopped Jesus that day. The same people that will arrest him and bring him to Pilate and have him crucified are there and they say nothing on this day. On this day Jesus just does what he wants. And he uses his power and authority. And he makes sure, and he'll go to another table. And the next guy that's trying to, you know, get away and do his own thing, Jesus come to his table, and pretty soon, Jesus, his fiery eyes are making sure there's not one exchange of money going on. You've made this a house of merchandise, and my Father's house is to be a house of prayer. Nobody is praying, and nobody is talking to the Father. And what are you guys doing? I'm not so much first angry at Rome and politics. What about my own house and my own people? Can I hear an amen? You see what I'm saying with this? God is looking to his own house. How many of you, now, thank God, look at this, man, all these people that are here on a Sunday, we're having communion together, hallelujah. But how many of you have family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, they don't go to church, and the reason they don't go to church is because they've seen the merchandising, maybe, of religion, and they go, man, that's just so not right. Right? There's probably a lot of us. Jesus had the same anger and the same problem with that, and he literally brought, if I could put it this way, he brought an earthquake that day to the Temple Mount before thousands of worshipers, bewildered merchants, priests, and peasants. Jesus made sure that day was an earthquake in the house of God and declared shame on all those present. It was like an earthquake um, and speaking of earthquakes, look at this. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. God is not uh, afraid to use an earthquake now and again. Acts 4, 31. Let's read this out loud. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Whoo, I like that. Man, we li- look, I've lived in California my whole life. Now there are people you know, like, like, that are east of here, and when they think of California, they're like, "Well man, what do, you, what do you do about all the earthquakes? Man, I've been shaking, rattling and rolling since I was a baby here in California. And how many of you felt on Friday night there was an earthquake? There was an earthquake, 6.9, some said it was 7.1 or whatever. And uh, how many of you actually honestly felt it? Raise your hands. OK, a few of you. How many of you didn't feel nothing? Oh man. You guys are in so big trouble, man, I'm telling you. Tony Villarreal said, man, I was sleeping. I said, man, Tony, you didn't feel it. Well, I felt it. So you know what I was doing when it came? I was watching. Look, I'm a, I'm a San Diego guy. I was born and raised here, so I'm a, a loyal Padre fan. I was watching the Padres play the Los Angeles Dodgers in the famous Dodger stadium. It's all packed out. And I was praying for a miracle. God, please, could the Padres win? I'm gonna watch this game, the whole game. I'm investing time. Could they possibly win? And all of a sudden, one of the innings, all of a sudden, you know, they have that camera angle from kind of behind the pitcher, over his shoulder. You can see his pitch and you can see the guy and they got the little square for the, you know, balls and strikes. And the camera just starts shaking and going. And, you know, every once in a while they're doing that and some guy's not paying attention and they're doing And so I'm like, I kept waiting. When are they going to switch to another camera? They never switched to another, It just kept shaking. I go, what, did, did some guy's, you know, drunk son just come and take over the camera? What, what is going, and no, and they're not saying anything on the TV. And finally one of the guy goes, hey, I, you know, we're in Dodger Stadium. I think we just had an earthquake. I'm feeling them. And then I felt the ground rumble underneath my chair as I'm watching this game, and then immediately, you know, it starts binging, you know, the phone or whatever that we just had a 6.9, 7.1, whatever earthquake. But then, you know where the earthquake came from? Ridgecrest, east of Bakersfield, and then they had a thing where they said Las Vegas felt a little something out there. Do you know how far it is from here? to Ridgecrest, just think about even from here to LA, how much land that is, and that we felt the same ground from where it started. We're feeling it down here. That's scary. God, now let me, let me also say this. I don't believe there are any coincidences. God literally, it's like God just touched, he used earthquakes, but here's the cool thing. If, if you are a believer, you can get filled with the Holy Spirit during an earthquake. <laughs> That's the scripture right there. But you know what? Jesus said one of the signs of the times that he's coming back will be earthquakes. He says, I'm gonna shake everything that can be shaken. Now, God can use literal, physical earthquakes, and I believe, I, I, just, I, I just really believe that God is shaking the state of California to wake us up spiritually and to wake up and to look up and to get our eyes on him and glorify God. We, we should be leading. We should be leading the nation spiritually before Him. And I think there's a lot more things that are going to be unfolding. I'm very excited about what's coming uh, in the near future. But signs of His coming. Jesus, so when He went to the temple, He cast out, He overthrew, He cleaned house. And I believe that's what He wants to do with His temple. Now, what's interesting is that the New Testament says that there is another temple, and the new temple is made of living stones. The living stones are believers. It's literally you and I. First Corinthians uh, chapter six, verses nineteen and twenty. Let's read this out loud. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own for you were bought at a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's so I believe um, God is sending earthquakes of a variety of kinds shaking us up and he wants to cleanse his temple you hear what I'm saying then it was the physical temple made of stone. Now it's a temple made of men and women who who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he, He's looking for prayer. He's looking for prayer in our hearts and in our lives. And if it isn't there, if our hearts aren't right, hear what I am saying to you: God is going to send an earthquake into your life, an earthquake into your career, an earthquake into your relationships, an earthquake into your marriage, an earthquake into your health. Whatever it takes, God's going to take you and shake you for your own good to wake us up and to recognize that we need to look up and connect with Him. So, since Jesus said, my, my house shall be called a house of prayer… And by the way, I believe that he was saying that in fulfillment of a prophecy about himself. This is my house, and I want it to be a house of prayer. I want you to write this down. The heart of prayer. What is prayer? The heart of prayer is connecting with God relationally. You and I need to connect with God relationally, not just religiously, and not just in some kind of outward form, uh, but in relationship. So the disciples saw Jesus... And they notice every day in the morning, even before they woke up, he's already gone. Where is he? They all knew. He's out praying. He's talking to his father. And he would come back energized, filled up, over, just can't wait for the day. He goes, man, talk to my father today. Got some pretty exciting stuff going to happen today. Wait till you see it, guys. And then he would go out. Boom. And all of this stuff would start flying. Finally, the disciples started getting and connecting his prayer time. To the supernatural power and they said hey could you teach us to pray like you because we pray we don't get the same results (laughs) teach us to pray so then jesus said okay i'm going to let you in on the secret you're my disciples and he said pray after this manner notice he did not say pray this prayer now there's nothing wrong with actually praying the lord's prayer as it is our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and you can pray through the prayer in less than 30 seconds but jesus did not literally and there's nothing wrong with praying it that way but jesus didn't say pray this prayer exactly just this he said after this manner pray that's a little difference what and what does it mean to pray after this manner i believe that what Jesus was saying is, I'm giving you kind of the bullet point outlines of how to really pray and connect with the supernatural. So you start with our Father who art in heaven. Everybody say Father. Father. Our Father who art in heaven. The first thing that if you want prayer that will change everything, you need to connect relationally with God. And by the way, uh, we're, we're to call him father. We're to reach out to him as father. Now, um, I love, you know, I love the fact that here just recently, I've got all my, my grandkids uh, that are here. Noah, Bentley, and Isaac. And now Daniel and Jill have come. And so there's Benjamin, Quinn, and Andrew, and Hattie. I got seven grandkids. I am so blessed. I'm telling you what. They're the best. They're the best. And I have... You know, both Vicki and I have come to the realization, they're so, we love them, and they're so cool. We're wondering, why couldn't we have started with them before, you know, the, the, all, the rest? But I'm just teasing. But we love them and appreciate them so much. So we just had 4th of July, you know, and all the kids and grandkids are there, and they come up and say hi, and I just love it. It's so, it's so awesome to have them there, even though I wasn't feeling that great, just to you know they're laughing and running around, splashing around in the pool, and just having a great time. Uh, and then also, but it was kind of, what's cool for me is like the two littlest ones. So the littlest ones are Andrew, he's eight, and Hattie, she's six. And so they're, they're so little, and they, you know, like Andrew just comes up and he's got these big eyes and smile and he stands real close and he looks all the way up and he goes, hi, Papa. <laughs> like that. You know, just, oh, it just melts your heart. And, you know, just love to hug him and pick him up and how you doing, Andrew? And so then, waiting right behind him is the littlest one, the little blonde tornado known as Hattie. She's six years old. And she comes up with this big beaming smile and she goes, Hi, Papa. And I just pick her up. And she goes, How are you? I'm going, what are you asking about me? I go, wow, Hattie, you are, you are amazing. Hattie, whatever you want, up to half my kingdom, whatever. What do you want, Hattie? And you know, Hattie already knows what she wants. She wants my iPhone. She's too little to have one, but she knows Papa has one, and they will let her play games on Papa's phone. But I make the rule she's got to sit by me. So anyway... But you know what, relationally, once you connect relationally, that, that's the heart of God. He goes, man, don't, don't just come in with a blizzard of all your you know, stuff and things that you need, but come and talk to me. And so we've come up, I did a message, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and, and we, we called it, it's kind of like a, a new model. pray first. Everybody say pray first, ready? Pray first. Uh, look, when you start the day, let the first thing in your mind be, Dear Father. And, and even, you know, Abba, Daddy, um, how are you doing today, Dad? I love you, Dad. And I, I am really glad just waking up with all the mess that's in the world to realize the God of the whole universe is my dad and thinks I'm so cool and loves me and gave his son for me. Whoo, I got it. No matter what is coming today, I got it made. Do you know how much that means to. Dad, your dad in heaven? You think, man, son, oh, you acknowledge me. You're, you're looking at me. You're talking to me. Ask whatever you want. I'm going to give it to you. That's exactly what he said. Uh, do you know that we are a praying church? This church was birthed out of prayer. Many years ago when, you know, I'd been in North Park, a church called Horizon down there. It's quite a distance from here. And God was speaking to me and saying, I want you to go north. Uh, From North Park Theater going up here north, it was like Orange County, it just seemed like forever north. And God said, I want you to start a brand new church and I want you to feed my sheep, and I want you to call it Maranatha. Maranatha means, oh Lord, come. Or it means, Lord, we know you are coming soon. I want you to name your church Maranatha because I want to use you and I want to use this church to bring a message to wake up the bride and the body because we are living in the days and the time in which the kingdom of God is going to come from heaven to the earth. He is coming, and he is coming soon. We need to be awake and ready for it. Can I hear an amen on that? (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm telling you. And God is, you know, as I'm praying about, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for our church, praying for the future. We got a lot of big plans, we got stuff, we're doing all this expansion in the schools, all these new fields we're gonna be developing starting next year, the five acres over there. Um, a lot's happening between here and here. And, but God's been speaking to me about 2020 and this next decade, should the Lord tarry? I believe that we have not seen anything yet. God's gonna literally, he's gonna shake the church. He's going to shake the United States of America. He's going to shake Europe. He's going to shake the Middle East. He's going to shake Africa and Asia and Australia and New Zealand. He's going to shake this world like we've never been shaken. But we who know who's the author behind it will be like those in the early church. When the ground shakes beneath our feet, we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And a great harvest is going to come. A great harvest is going to come. So... I wanted to just say this. Uh, in this prayer, I want to include you guys in it. And so this is for men and women. If you write down this name, Jesse Burke, uh, Jared's uh, lovely wife, is helping us out with the prayer ministry and with my wife, Vicky. Boy, talk about the prayer, ultimate prayer warrior. That's my wife, Vicky, And so anyway, we would like you to contact, uh, tell Jesse that you want to be on the prayer team. Of Maranatha Chapel, because there's stuff we want to be given to you. The more specific we pray, and the more we get praying, and the more unified we get in prayer, the bigger the power of the glory of God that we will see. So jesse.burke at maranathchapel.org, and get on that prayer list. A lot of really cool stuff will be coming down the line. Uh, So, you know, look, our world, I believe, is in trouble. Something is up what should we do? We should pray. And uh, so, Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Uh, let's, let's read this out loud. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father, which is an English, Daddy, Father. Um. I want to say this to you, and I know that this was true of some of you here listening, some of you that are watching, some of you that are listening, listen to what I am about to say. If you are serving God out of fear as a slave, you have the wrong picture of God. And your view of God will determine your relationship with God. Nobody should serve God out of fear. We are His sons, we are His daughters. We're in an intimate, close relationship with him, uh, and he wants us… That's what he says. You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, to the opposite, you have God's spirit. You've been adopted as his own children. You can call him Abba, Father, or Daddy. So, our Father who art in heaven… And the second phrase Jesus used is hallowed be thy name. So I'm going to say, bigger than just saying, well, hallowed be thy name, prayer is to worship his name. That's what hallowed be thy name means. It means to worship the name of the Lord. And by the way, uh, his name is not God. That's a title. God is the supreme creator of the universe. Yeah, that's true. But that's not his name. Hallowed be thy name. Now, one of his names is Father We can worship Him through His name. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do you know the names of God? You should be worshiping the names of God. They are found all throughout the Bible. And we should know them and we should worship Him. He has more than one name. He has many names. And by the way, there are different names that that will supply what you need at a specific moment. And when you get the right name, you tap into something that's very, very powerful. Why? Because names have power. When I was, uh, you know, Vicky and I, when our children, Daniel and Annie, were little years ago, we lived in a two-story house. Today, we live in a one-story house, which is nice. But in the two-story house, and Daniel and Annie's bedrooms were upstairs, and sometimes you don't want to, you know, run up the stairs to tell them or whatever. And if I could look up the stairs and I could see Annie, I'd say, Annie... You know, tell Daniel I want him to clean his room and da-da-da and whatever. So I would see little Annie and she'd turn, up, Daniel, go do da blah da Then I would hear Daniel go, you know, like he's giving back lip to his sister. No, I'm not going to do that. So she goes, Daniel's not doing what and, you know, whatever. So <laughs> then I go to Annie, okay, tell Daniel, dad said, do da-da-da-da-da. She goes, dad said, Daniel... And I hear, but then he goes and does what he's supposed to do. Sometimes with Vicky, you know, they would get in trouble, whatever. she go, they go, oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? She goes, I'm not doing nothing. I'm waiting until dad gets home. No, no, punish us now. Beat us now. Don't have dad come home. Because there's something about a name, even dad, even father, It has weight to it, it has authority to it, it has power to it. And when you say, Dad, it carries something that that is both precious, Dad, Father, Abba. Or when you want uh, to communicate something, look at this in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. Uh, This is from the Old Testament, let's read it out loud. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run to it and are safe. Run to the names of God. Now, I just put this, uh, I think, in your notes, and I didn't write all the Hebrew names, and, and I could do that, but there's not enough room, and you can study that on your own. These are some of the names of God. One of his names is righteousness. You need to know that name, claim that name. Paul said, I don't want my own righteousness. I want your righteousness, Lord. Another name of God is healer. Lord, I need you to be my healer. Heal me, Lord. Touch me, Lord. Make me whole. Another name of the Lord is, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And when I follow him, he leads me to the green pastures, and he makes me lie down in still waters. Lord, today, I don't know which way to go. You're my shepherd. I'm following you. The Lord is your provider. That's one of his names. Lord, I don't have enough. (laughs) I, I I got too much month for what money I have. I need you to be my provider. And every time you say that, God says, well, it just happens to be my name. I am the Lord who will provide for you. You're in the midst of chaos. And you say, Lord, I need peace. And I know that your name is peace. Therefore, I I declare your shalom in my house, in my job, in this relationship, this marriage, or whatever, in the name of Jesus. Oh, there's power in the name of the Lord as peace. You're battling, you're fighting, something at work, some contract, whatever, and then you go, Lord, you are my banner of victory. No matter what happens, I shall be victorious as I follow you and honor you. These are just a few of the names of God. So whenever in the Bible you pick up a name, note it, write it down, have a page in your Bible where you know the names of God, call on the right name at the right time, boom, the glory of God will flow through you. Amen? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I want you to know this, pray for his plan to unfold. And I want you to know that in the manner or the pattern of prayer, we still haven't got to our stuff yet. We usually begin with our laundry list of, could you do this, could you do that, and da-da-da-da-da. We haven't even gotten to that yet. Jesus says, when you start to pray, don't even worry about your problems or your plans enter into my plans. Let my plans unfold. When I was a young Christian and a new believer, somehow I thought prayer was spending a little bit of time telling God what's going on down here, as if he didn't know already. And then once I told him what's going on down here, I gave him a lot of hints of what he might want to do to help change the situation. I've given God a lot of counsel in my prayers. I've learned over the years that God does not need my wisdom, input, or counsel. How many of you would say amen to that? But I've spent a lot of time praying that way. And growing up and with experience, I've learned to discover something. All the energy I put into, here's what I, God, if you would do this and make that person and change this situation and da-da-da-da, and and then it comes through. And then all of a sudden, my experience is then God's plan unfolded, and I go, whoo! I can't tell you how many times I look back and I go, wow, I was so wrong. And I, and I want to just say, thank you, God, you didn't listen to me. And you didn't answer the prayer the way I wanted. Because the way you just did it is like a million times better. So you learn by experience, like Jesus said to pray, forget my agenda. God, what's your agenda? I'm going to slip right into what's your plan, God? God. I might be a mess, might be a chaos, might be like freaking out, and you're like, but I know in the midst of this, you have a plan. Whatever your plan is, I'm there, I'm in, I'm all in. Let your plan unfold. And I've been shocked when I have come into desiring, not me figuring it out. By the way, that takes a lot of energy to try to figure it out, help God, counsel him, and then pray. A lot easier to go, God, I I don't have a clue. You know all the participants, you know all the problems, all the people, and I'm just going to trust you. Thy kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your plan unfold. Whatever it is, I'm all in. And he goes, good, I'm waiting for that. I got you. And then you see, and he does stuff. He will move mountains. He will change minds. He will change hearts. What seemed like all against you goes the opposite, and everybody is for you. It's awesome. It's incredible. Growing, I've learned to pray from the very get-go. Lord, whatever, I want to in on your plan for my life, whatever that may be. Luke 12, 31, let's read this out loud. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. And that's one of the best ones. I love that verse. Memorize it, meditate on it. Put it inside your mind and heart. And then closing, we'll look at the last few verses. So after Jesus cleans his house because there was no prayer going on. It says, verse 14, Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. Whoo! I love that. And he healed them. He just cleaned house. All the religious leaders, priests, Pharisees, scribes, chief priests, get out of here. You're not doing the right thing. You're not even praying. But in the midst of that, guess who were not afraid of him? They were all afraid of him. But who was not afraid of him? The blind, the poor, the lame, the needy, they were drawn to Jesus. They said, wow, if you, we didn't like those guys either. And if you're against them, you must be for us. And exactly, they came to Jesus. He touched them and healed them. That's what the body of Christ is to be. Healers, when we pray and are in fellowship with God, we become healers of those who are lost and those who are broken and those who are confused and they don't know where they're going. And so, but when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, healings, and the, then the children cried out in the temple, read, teenagers. There was a youth movement on the Temple Mount that day, and they were shouting and screaming. The most excited people on the day to the miraculous miracles of healing and supernatural were the teenagers. And I want to say this, because I know we've got teenagers in the house today. Every communion, we invite all the teenagers in. And I want to say this to you. I pray in the name of Jesus that every teenager that goes through this house will experience the supernatural power and presence, the miracle working power of God. You will never forget it. You will never be the same. It's not a game, it's not politics, it's not left, it's not right. When you come and experience the power that God is real, heaven is real, angels are real, demons are real, the whole thing is real, and your eyes are open, no college, no institution, no political bent will ever be able to... it's like you're... you are you know. It's like I know what's going on now. It will never be the same. Amen? And the teenagers got and they said, Hosanna to the Son of David, and they were indignant. The chief priests were mad. So teenagers, when religious people get mad at you for believing in the supernatural, don't worry about it. They they came and they said, hey, Jesus, you hear what these teenagers are saying about you? They think you're the guy, the Messiah. Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes, nursing infants, you have perfected praise. He goes, you think it's a big deal that teenagers can recognize the supernatural? I'm telling you out of the scriptures, even babies respond to my voice. It's big. big. And then he left them, and he went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. And by the end of this week, by his crucifixion, death, burial, and the resurrection on the third day, the world, not only on the earth, but in the supernatural realm, would never be the same again. He is risen, and we're getting to worship him. We get to have communion with him. We're in relationship with him. His father is our father, and we're in the family of God. Amen.